want to start with this. I want to start with the history, the history of Christmas. And I like, I, I heard this growing up and I, I like the King James Version. So I'm going to read to you the beginning of this out of Luke 2 from the King James. And this is a little bit, but we're going to talk about it a little bit more. It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was the first made by Cyrenius, or when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. All went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go even to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child and all that they had heard, or all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Now, I'm not gonna go into the history of Christmas from the early church, the Christian writers like Tertullian and Constantine and Augustine uh, that are there. I'm not gonna touch really much on a more contemporary history that has elves on shelves in miniature sleighs and eight tiny reindeers. Uh, I'm not gonna unpack all that because we don't have time. But I wanna encourage you because I think there's an opportunity before us as believers in this season. Be praying for the culture we live in and the opportunity that is before us in this season. Be praying for that opportunity to reach people for Christ. So here's a contemporary story. I have, have to read this because I want to reflect on it really quick. This is an Associated Press article dated 1210 of 21. There was a Roman Catholic diocese in Sicily uh, publicly apologized to outraged parents after its bishop told a group of children that Santa Claus doesn't exist. In a Facebook post and subsequent comments Friday, the Diocese of Noto insisted that Bishop Antonio Stagliano 
did not mean to dash the dreams of the youngsters two weeks before Christmas. The diocesan communications director, the Reverend Alessandro Paolino, said Stagliano was trying to underline the true meaning of Christmas and the story of St. Nicholas, who was really, he was a bishop who gave gifts to the poor and he was persecuted by a Roman emperor. Italian news reports quoted Stagliano was saying during a re recent religious festival that Santa doesn't exist and that his red costume was created by the Coca-Cola company for publicity. <laughs> First of all, on behalf of the bishop, I express my sorrow for this declaration which has created disappointment in the little ones. And I want to specify that Monsignor Stagliano's intentions were quite different, Paolino wrote in the diocesan Facebook page. So I said to myself when I read that, tonight I don't want to be that guy, okay? I don't want to be that guy dashing hopes. Um, but I will share this with you. Uh, when my wife and I were young in the Lord, we came to the Lord very early in our married life, and I'm so thankful uh, for that. But we had a young family, and we wanted our kids to know that Christmas really what it was all about, that Christmas was about Christ. And so we never told anybody else, this is how you should celebrate Christmas or this is how you shouldn't celebrate Christmas. Other than this one caveat, we probably did to our kids, right? Because they're growing up in our homes. So we got, had that authority over their lives. But just understanding different people are at different places with this. And so we never went there. Uh, and this is honestly true of anything in all of our lives. The Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and he speaks to us about conviction. And then we're responsible to walk out those things that the Holy Spirit says, I want you to be careful with this or, or this is how I want you to do something. And so I never lay that off on anybody else because when the Holy Spirit speaks to me, He's speaking to me. And so I don't expect you to be at the same place that I am with some of these things. And I want to encourage you in this, and that is the grace of God meets people where they are. And when I reflect on that, it's like God has been gracious enough in my life to bring me to places. And you know, sometimes I share my story. I don't expect somebody to even totally agree, but sometimes when I share my story, it can encourage somebody or help them to grow. The Holy Spirit may use that, but I don't tell them what they should or shouldn't do. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And so this, in these days that we're living in too, I think it has a much broader impact and that's a whole nother service we could go to. But there's so many people that are thinking and saying what everybody else should be doing or not doing. And it's just trust the grace of God that has brought you to where you are to work in other people too. Y'all agree with that? Yeah. Amen. I'm so appreciative. So the grace of God brings us to this place of allowing people to just be people, but The second thing I want to talk to you about tonight is the hangups of Christmas. All right, y'all know there's hangups out there with it? Kind of alluded to it, the, the big guy in the red suit might be a hangup for some people. Christmas tree might be a hangup for some people. 
December 25th might be a hangout for some people. But this is what I want to talk to you about. The, the world, when I look at the hangups of the world, it looks like Christmas has become about commercialism. It's like, man, there's all this busy. I've got to buy this. I don't have enough stuff. I got to do that. Got to get that. And it creates just this pressure and stress and anxiety. And for some people, I think it can even create guilt because it's like, I want to, and I can't. And early in our married lives, I remember going into debt for Christmas. And it's like all this joy of giving gifts, all of a sudden it's like months later, I'm still paying for Christmas. That wasn't so much fun after all. And so we learn things as we go along, but the world gets caught up happy holidays season's greetings. I get so blessed when I'm out shopping now and somebody says, Merry Christmas. I go, yes, thank you. Merry Christmas to you too. But the world can get caught on that, uh, caught up on it. And, and with all of those things, it's like, how can Christmas that's supposed to be the, about the birth of Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, how can it have all this negative stuff happening around it. And honestly, I think it's because of what people have done with it. That wasn't God's intent, you know, but we got to understand that people can get hung up or they can get caught up with that. Just the world around us and how they process it. But there's some hangups in the word too. And, and I already did this and I have to say, thank you, pastor. First of all, just for the opportunity to be up here. Thank you so much. Um, but I also want to thank you for this. I know the last couple Sundays you've been talking out of Matthew in chapter one and, and two, but how the wise men, when they showed up um, to greet the baby and to worship him, they showed up at the house. They didn't show up at the stable, right? Or at the manger. And pastor said, you know, he was a toddler. Jesus was a toddler when the wise men came. And I also want to reiterate pastor's thing. That doesn't mean you have to go home and remove the wise men out of your nativity scene or anything, okay? It's okay to have them up there. Um, they're part of ours. We have VeggieTale wise men. We have ceramic wise men. We have all kinds of wise men at our house. And they're going to continue to be a part of it because really it's a reflection on the birth of Christ and the coming of Christ and the worship of Christ and God's gift to us in him. So it's entirely fine to leave your wise men out there, okay? All right. I'm glad you agree with that. Um, also, maybe another hang-up in the word uh, has to do with like December 25th because if the shepherds were really out there attending the flocks, um, usually in December it's so cold that they probably would have had the lambs in a corral um, protected from the weather and all. So don't think it really happened then. Um, uh, it's, it's just, uh, again... Did it take place because the lambs and the shepherds probably, they'd have been out in the fields more around April or May. But I had read this just uh, again in looking at Christmas and the history of it, and I did not know this, but um, the reason some have landed on December 25th is they go back to, okay, when did Mary conceive? When the Holy Spirit came upon her and she conceived. Some people, when they look at the calendar, when that angelic visit happened, they said, according to the calendar, they, they took it and related it to the crucifixion of Jesus in the Passover. So they, they nailed that date as 
March 25th. And they went back to say that they just think there's good reason to believe that Jesus would have been consumed or conceived at the same time that he was offered as a cross. If he was the land slain for the sins of the world, that he was conceived on March 25th. And then nine months after that is... December 25th. But that's how some, even, and you don't hear that theory a lot, but that's how some landed on the 25th of December. Some people, according to different calendars, said, well, it was April 6th. And if you do my, nine months from there, some people very, or I think Northern Africa area, um, that they celebrate Christmas on January 6th, even to this day. So that's how some of those things have come to pass. But the bottom line uh, of it is, don't focus on the calendar. Focus on what we're celebrating. Is the 25th of December the big deal? Or is it about, God, you sent us your son and we celebrate it. And I think it's great that we take time to remember it every year, right? All right. And then the worship, and, and I already alluded this, to this a little bit, but you know, Christmas trees and, and all of that stuff that, uh, again, don't get hung up on all. If you set up a Christmas tree, I don't think you're going, oh, great Christmas tree, bestow upon us gifts. May we find them under you when we wake up on the 25th of day. It's not about that. You're not worshiping a Christmas tree. And so just be free. Uh, I think Titus says, uh, Titus 1.15 says, to the pure, all things are pure. And he's talking about, he's addressing the church because back then there were people who really weren't doing and living like God wanted them to live. I mean, they weren't reaching people. Um, they were all caught up in myths and stuff. Um, Paul was saying, you're failing to do good in rejecting truth. And I think if we focus on the fact that God sent us his son and we celebrate that at Christmas, we'll do a whole lot better uh, I think of my neighbors and I'm going, if I'm hung up on, on some things like that, how am I gonna reflect or what am I representing to people who may not know Jesus or may not be again where I'm at? And I just wanna make it easy for them to see Jesus, to come to Jesus. I don't wanna get in the way of that. And so I'm going, Lord, help me to do my best. And so this is the bottom line of all that. Don't get hung up on the hangups, okay? Don't spend all your time focusing on that. We, we got better things to do, right? Um, I will say this too, though. How many of you would agree, you can raise your hands for this one. How many of you would agree that we're living in some pretty dark times in these days? I wanna read a couple of scriptures to you based on that and think about the season when we talk about Jesus and him being the light of the world. Isaiah 9, 2 says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And the same thing is reflected in Matthew 4, 16. Instead of walking in darkness, he says it like this, the people living in darkness. Does that sound like the days we're in right now? The people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. So to me, again, thinking, Lord, help me not to get hung up on the hangups that... 
in this season, the world seems so open, but I don't know when the door's gonna shut. If it's dark and getting darker, people may not be open as long to the message of Jesus Christ. And so I think we need to take advantage of the reason for this season. And if there's an open door for us to walk through that open door, again, not to tell people what you should or shouldn't do or why, it's like just meet them where they're at. Meet them like Jesus did. I think what Jesus did, he, he met fishermen and he goes, I wanna make you fishers of men. He, he talked to shepherds about the good shepherd. He talked to a woman at the well about living water. He talked to farmers about sowing seed. Jesus met people where they were. And in this season, we have an opportunity to meet people where they were. It may be your neighbor next door, especially when we talk about being a hero. Think about your neighbor next door. When we serve, were served in a, a restaurant, we have an opportunity to be light there. We have people that we meet in grocery stores. That's one of my favorite places to go and just watch for people. This past week, um, I, I watched, there was a lady that just, she couldn't move. And I heard a, a, a clerk ask, are you doing okay? She goes, I just, I can't get up yet. I, when I can, I'll, I'll go home. And when I heard that, I just, I paused and I waited for a minute and I said, okay. So I went up to her, I said, would it be okay? if I prayed with you? And she said, absolutely. I think I caught her off guard a little bit because <laughs> when I was done praying, she's looking at me like, wow, okay. But you know, there are moments all around us just meet people where they're at and I think we'll be surprised. If we meet them and don't focus on the hangups, I think we have an opportunity to reflect on the hope that this season really represents. And that's my next point. Point three is the hope of Christmas. As we celebrate the birth of Christ, the hope really was in the angel's greeting to the shepherds. And I wanna reread just a short section that we read out of Luke two. This is out of the NIV, but he says this. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And I think back to Joseph being greeted by an angel in a dream saying, don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife because what is in her was conceived of the Holy Spirit. And in this dream, the angel revealed to Joseph that when this baby that is in Mary is born, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And that is the hope of Christmas, that unto you is born a savior. But here's the thing, I look around and I see a world that's going, why do I need a savior? I mean, what's up with a savior from what? You know, they say, you know, I'm a good person. People don't wanna hear that they're sinners. Uh, I mean, that doesn't play. They either don't want to or they're not willing. I mean, honestly. 
And so when you tell them about that, they go, well, I'm a good person. And, you know, I've never murdered anybody. Um, I give my dog fresh water every day. I don't yell at my wife or kids, you know, um, but it's not about that. The bottom line is we all have a common condition in humanity and that is we're sinners. So I wanna plant just a little brief, quick road with you. And that is, we call it the Roman road, but it really helps you to get your mind around this because if somebody says, I don't need a savior, if we understand these just very simple basic scriptures, uh, I'm gonna give you scripture references, you can look those up. Uh, We call it the Roman road, but if we all get it and understand, I mean, this is the truth because this is God's word. This isn't my opinion. This is not what Pastor Tim has said. This is the word of God. So this is the Roman road. And I think it's in your notes tonight. Um, But the Roman road starts here. Romans 3.10 says, no one is righteous. That means nobody, nobody is right with God on their own. Nobody. Romans 3.23 says this, all have sinned. All, uh, and I've heard pastor do the interpretation from the Greek in that, and he all means all. So every one of us have sinned. We all need a savior. And that's what we were just talking about. It's not about how good we are, what we have done, what we haven't done. This is our common condition. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. And we know everybody is gonna die, but we're talking spiritual death here. In spiritual death, probably the easiest way for me to think about it is separation from God, the author of life. And it's like, man, I, I would not wanna risk that. Separation from God forever. I mean, that's death. Romans 5.8, and this is really the bottom line of all that we do. And that is this, God loves us. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So when we look at the love of God and it's reflected here, Romans 5.8 says this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before I even knew I needed Jesus, he had already made a way for me. I'm so thankful the Holy Spirit just pulled back the scales from my eyes and let me see that. And I remember that. I remember that. And I'm so thankful. Romans 10, 13 says this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. And when I read that, that was like my big question for God. I said, okay, God, I know, I know I'm a sinner. I know Jesus, I know there's a heaven and there's a hell and I know where I don't wanna go, right? I don't wanna wind up in hell. How do I get saved? That was my question to God. And I looked at a Bible my older brother had given us for our first anniversary and it says what to do to be saved. And it takes me to Romans 10, nine and 10. And it says this, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved because with the heart you believe and with the mouth you confess unto salvation. I'm going, okay. So I did that. I said, God, Jesus is Lord. And I believe that he died. He died for my sins and that he rose again. 
I mean, I knew that. And that's where my faith journey started, just really that simple. But I remember something, uh, our kids were in a, a musical years back. Um, that's one thing. And we lived down in Kalamazoo area. And I remember, how old was Nikki? Maybe four years old, five years old. And her lines in this kid's musical have stuck with me to this day because it was so simple. She goes, it's as simple as A, B, C. A, commit your life to Jesus Christ. I probably owe her $5 for that, don't I? Because she said commit instead of commit. But that's okay, she was only five. But A, we admit we've sinned. B, we believe Jesus died for our sins and rose again. And C, we commit our lives to Jesus Christ. And the simplicity of that has stuck with me to this day. And so if I am bringing the hope of Jesus to somebody and they get it and they understand, and I'm going, how do I even pray with this person? Just remember A, B, C. A, admit, B, believe, C, commit your life. I mean, it doesn't have to be something huge or, or just so in-depth theologically. God hears the prayer of our heart. So this brings me to the question of the night. <laughs> Is there room for Santa Claus at the cross? And I have to say this. Santa, the beginning of all he's become today, he started with the legend of St. Nicholas. And I already referred to that. St. Nicholas was a real person. And St. Nicholas, like every one of us, needed a savior. Amen. So is there room for Santa Claus at the cross? Absolutely. Any real person who admits that they need Jesus, and, and really that's the bottom line of it, there's room at the cross for anyone who admits that they need a savior, even St. Nicholas. So I'm gonna wrap this up. We've looked at the history. We've talked about hangups tonight of Christmas, those things we can get caught up in. We looked at the hope of Christmas. Now I wanna talk about the hero of Christmas. So I did a few years in children's ministry um, on here, was just so blessed to have that opportunity. I still love kids. I haven't stopped loving kids. I've got kids. My kids got kids, which are grandkids. And I don't know if you love those a little more than you do your own. I'm kind of thinking you might, but... <laughs> But God has blessed us with nine grandkids and, and we are blessed, right? Which makes Christmas that much more fun for us too. But anyway, the hero of Christmas and, and kids ministries, the automatic answer to the question, if a parent asked your child, well, what did you talk about today? What was the story about? What was the Bible verse? And, and a kid would just simply say, Jesus. So the spoiler alert for all of you here is the hero of Christmas is Jesus. Pastor Kerry in week one said this, and I loved it, I wrote it down so I would make sure that I quoted him, but he said this, Jesus is the star of the story. It's not the Bethlehem star, it's Jesus is the star. He is the center, he is the focus of it all. And when we stay centered there on the hero of Christmas, it will help us a lot 
the whole Bible, all of the scriptures, the prophecies in the Old Testament. Uh, and again, pastor has said this, the Old Testament points to Jesus coming and the New Testament reveals him, the fulfillment of everything that was spoken before. And so the star of the story is Christmas, or Jesus, excuse me, the star of Christmas is Jesus. Pastor John shared this last week about this star, and I have to say it again because it was at least a $10 word, and it wasn't a word of the day or a word of the week. This is a word of the month, you gotta remember, hypostatic union. But what that means is God, Emmanuel, became flesh. He became one of us. He was still fully God. But he became man and he understands us. He walked earth as a human being. And I love this about the God that we serve. Pastor said this, that many people miss God because they're looking too high. I think Christmas reminds us that we can look low. We can look low into a manger, into an absolutely dirty, filthy stable. And there we see where God came and he met us. And the first people he told were not the kings or royalty or the upper society. It was the shepherds who were really the outcasts of the day. God came to the low, the first people that he told, but they were faithful to take that message beyond. They went to see, okay, let's go see what God's talking about. And they went and they saw and they went and told others. But we find our hero when we look low, when we look in the manger. Paul said it like this. This is 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. Our hero can identify with us. He was tired, he was lonely, he was hungry, he was thirsty, he was sad, he was happy. I think that's one of the biggest things about this new chosen series is we understand God as deity and we can say Jesus is Lord and think of him as God. But the chosen helps you to really identify with the humanity of Jesus in knowing that he can identify with you, he can identify with me because he has felt it. Hebrews chapter four says this, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So this is my challenge to you as we lead here tonight and we continue towards Christmas. We know the hero. It's time for us to be a hero as well. I think of the shepherds. They went, the hero was revealed but then they became heroes by going and telling people about the hero that had been revealed. The scriptures say that when the fullness of time had come, that God sent forth his son, 
born of a woman under the law, Jesus was without sin, so he fulfilled that. But the fullness of time, it talks about the darkness of the season he was born into. 400 years without a word from a prophet, the silence of God. And then the angels announced, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior, which is Christ the Lord. We already talked about feels like we're living in dark times. So I just wonder this about the days that we're living in. Could the fullness of time of this age be wrapping up? Is Jesus getting ready to come back this time, not as a babe in a manger, but as the conquering King, the Messiah? My hope and my goal after sharing this with you is to challenge you to become that hero because again, pastor said this so many times and it is so true. We're not running out of money. We're running out of time. Jesus could come at any time now. And we have a wide open door right now to share the hope. We've heard the history, the truth of God's word. Don't get hung up on the hangups, share the hope. And I encourage you to become a hero. We have made it so easy for you. You can sign up for a hero app. You can go pick up some product. And so this is how I wanna wrap up tonight. I'm not gonna call you all forward, but I want us to finish the service this way. I want you to pray. And I want you to ask God, Lord, who is there that you want me to be a hero to? Who do I take this message of hope to about your son, about Emmanuel? And as we understand that, I wanna spend some time as the worship team, North Point's worship team leads us tonight. I want you to take some time. If you're watching at home, I want you to join us in this moment and just take some time to pray and say, God, you have me share this message? Is it my neighbor? Which neighbor would it be? Maybe it is that person at the store where you just take a moment to stop and talk where God lays on your heart. You may know somebody already that you've been praying for, but we have this hero app in the pod next door, the, the, the city serve our servant evangelism pod. It's like, Lord, show me what gift in here would open the door for me to be able to talk to my neighbors, to invite them or to let them know. It's just, I was thinking about you. And I wanna let you know, I, I think about you more than just here and now. I pray for you. Is there anything that you need prayer for now? I'd be willing to do that. But if not, if you ever need anything, please come to me. I would love to help you in any way that I can. But I encourage you to become a hero because we know the hero and we don't know how much time before that hero returns. And I know God is not willing that any would perish. The reason he hasn't come back yet is for that. He's patient, not willing that anybody would. And so tonight I want us to take a time while North Point just leads a song of worship to pray and say, God, show me, show me a person, show me an individual, show me a family. Maybe it's show me what to take. God, you, you know them better. It may be just that weird thought that hits you. It's like, seriously, you want me to take that? You have no idea, but listen to the Holy Spirit and ask him to reveal to you who or 
believe in what? We're going to take some time to worship the Lord.